So I went on to plenty of fish. Nobody ever go on it. It's terrible. Jen, don't go on it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're on it, get off it. I'm not so, on I, it. <laughs> so I went on plenty of fish because that was sort of like the, what was That's, online. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And, um, I met what would become my husband and, you know, like, so it ended up being a super abusive marriage. And, um, I didn't know when I married him that he was, he had a criminal record, um, and had spent time in federal penitentiary. Like I don't just pick the worst one. I pick like the worst one. (laughs) You're listening to now what a podcast where we celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience. For those going through hard times or looking to get inspired to change their own life, we're your hosts, Jen and Tisha. Hi, I'm Jen and welcome back to Now What? I'm Tisha and we are being joined today by Carling, um, who we follow on Instagram and we love her podcast, which is I did not sign up for this. So welcome, Carling. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show with us. Yeah, we are so psyched to have you here. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, my name is Carling. I'm from um, Calgary in Canada. And I never know how, like, if I say Calgary, do people listening in the States know where we're talking about? Anyway, it's Western Canada. (laughs) Western Canada. Uh, I'm 37 and I have a podcast called I Did Not Sign Up For This. So really kind of similar to yours. Um, we kind of like, like take life's trauma. We laugh at it a little bit, but <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, we laugh too, but yeah. yours has a def- definitely more of a lighter tone or take <laughs> on it. I feel, yeah. uh, which it's a fun, a, a fun show to listen to. And I actually recorded an episode with them last week. So yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. Your episode will come out like in a few weeks. Oh, amazing. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm recording one with you guys, I think in July, right? Yeah. 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 yeah awesome. We're super stoked. I love so it. So we're kind of doing this crossover thing where we're yeah. going to go on their show and they're going to come on our show and it's going to be awesome. We yeah. love to collab <laughs> with other podcasters. So it's fun. Share all of our traumas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you are here to talk to us, Carling, about your coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's June, it's pride month and um, yeah, I love sharing my coming out story because I think not a lot of people have a platform to share it. And I think mine is, I think it's relatable or I hope it's relatable. And I really hope that people who aren't in the LGBTQ plus community hear it and maybe walk away with some like, I don't know, how to's or yeah, just a different perspective on somebody's coming mm-hmm. out story. Yeah. I think it can really help build empathy when you hear somebody's story And then you have some type of framework. So when there is someone in your own life who maybe experiences something or you find something out, it just gives you a little bit of perspective Yeah, where maybe you wouldn't have had it otherwise. Yeah. And I think, yeah, coming out stories are all so different and so personal, but Mm -hmm. I think my journey really can resonate with a lot of people. I came out twice, technically. Um, And then I also sort of talk a little bit about like, I'm forever as a straight passing woman I'm forever coming out. I come out on a daily basis because I don't necessarily look like a lesbian to everybody. And so, yeah. Whatever a lesbian looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the whole thing, right? Like, so yeah, I don't know. Where do you want me to start? Do you want me to just dive in? Yeah. Just dive in where it feels good to you. And yeah. 
we're going to like fly all the way back to like 1997. Amazing. <laughs> we went to a 90s hip hop playlist on I, Spotify. So oh this works. God, yeah. yeah. We need to get some like, I don't know, uh, who'd sing truly madly deeply. That was like oh, a big savage garden. garden. Savage yeah. Garden, maybe Alanis Morissette. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think I can go back if I think about being like four, five, six and having what I now could identify as like crushes on girls, but I didn't have the like language or the representation. Um, I didn't grow up in a religious family, but I also didn't grow up in a very uh, communicative family. We just didn't talk about anything. And um, so I didn't know, I didn't know what gay was. I didn't know anything about that. Um, But if I look back now, I can think about having, you know, like innocent little crushes on girls like that young And then when I was 14, I um, got my first job at Perkins Family Restaurant. Uh, I don't know if that's like international or if it's just where I live, but. Well, well, go ahead, Tisha. (laughs) Jen and I have an interesting connection to Perkins because that's sort of where this podcast was born. We used to go to Perkins for breakfast together once a week. That's amazing. Um, And that's when we kind of came up with this idea. I love that. So well, we love Perkins. Yeah, we need to get Perkins to sponsor this episode. It was life changing uh, for, for all, all of us. Of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was 14 and I got my first job as a host. And um, there was a busser there who was a lesbian. And I would probably now describe her as like androgynous, but maybe back then, I don't know if she'd been considered butch. But anyway, she was a few years older than me. And her and I just like clicked. We just hit it off right away. And it was on like a co-working trip to Banff that we all went on that I had my first kiss with a girl. And it was like literally that exact moment that I was like, oh, I now understand what it means when everybody else talks about their like heteronormative like crushes and you know I would sort of I think Mm -hmm. I faked crushes with boys I'd be like oh yeah he's so cute but I didn't get it like I I knew that I didn't get it the same way that my peers got it and then it was like that the kiss and that subsequent relationship that I was like oh like this is what everybody's talking about that I didn't understand and that was sort of like my first experience of being like, oh, like I like girls. This is like a really natural, this feels really good. good, But even then I talk a lot about like, if I think back to 1997, 98, the only big sort of like LGBTQ representation that I saw in media was like Jerry Springer. I talk a lot about because, (laughs) you know, like my family would watch it or I'd be watching it. And there was always, and like the representation of the queer community on Jerry Springer was very like trashy, you know, in a lesbian relationship, there was always like a butch who looked like a man and a lipstick lesbian, um, who's like baby daddy would come on the show after, you know, like it was just very, um, it was very Jerry Springer. It was very Jerry Springer. (laughs) And I remember being like, Oh, like that's, that's gay. That's That's the lesbian world. Like I was like, that didn't resonate with me, but that's all I saw. And then I'd hear, you know, like my parents, talking about it about how gross it was and trashy and you know that was sort of the narrative I was I was getting um so but then after a couple of months of dating this girl I was like oh like I need to I I should tell somebody and so I told my stepmom so my dad and her had been together for a few years a couple years maybe Um, and we were at her son's soccer game and I was like, I want to tell you something, but I don't want you to tell anybody yet. And she was like, of course. And I said, I'm gay. And 
yeah. And I, I don't really remember what her reaction was. I think she was just like, oh, okay. Uh, and then she immediately went and told my dad. So <laughs> yeah, like step one, if somebody comes to you and comes out, like, don't, don't tell anybody. That's not your story to tell. Uh, yeah. So I told my stepmom and I didn't really know what it meant. Like, you know, like I didn't have some sort of like, I just was like, oh, this is the word for, to describe how I'm feeling and describe this relationship that I'm in. And then she went and told my dad. And then in true, my family fashion, we didn't talk about it right away, but I, I'm, he, he must've told my mom. And then I went to a therapist, not like conversion therapy, but like a therapist. Um, but it was like some 50 something year old woman that I didn't really know. And she was like asking me all these questions. Like, I don't know, she used the word heavy petting and you lose a, if you say, if you talk to like a 14 year old and use the term heavy petting, I'm out. Like that's just, <laughs> um, and yeah, like I sort of like denied it, denied it, denied it. Cause I was it, I don't know, like it felt to me like I was being like accused of something or like acting different. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but um, and I think I a lot of teenagers aren't going to feel comfortable talking about sex or anything sexual. Feeling, yeah with someone in their fifties. I'm just remembering this conversation I had as a teenager with my mom when I had my first boyfriend and like, if he was like pressuring me (gasps) and that's like all she said. And I was like, I was just like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like definitely echoes that. Like she didn't actually say happy petting because that would have been too. Oh my gosh. That's just sexual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then you have this whole other added element of, of you're talking about now gay sex with a 50. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, no shut down. <laughs> yeah. And my like parents didn't talk about it. Like if there's something that happens in my family, we just don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess at least they got me a therapist. I don't know. Um, and then I just vaguely remember my dad saying like, you know, I'm too young to know what this is about and like all this stuff. And because I wasn't close with my family anyway, that certainly didn't open the door for me to sort of like come out and step into myself. And so I feel like I just kind of like quietly went back in the closet around 16, uh, going into high school. So then my, my parents put me in a Catholic high school and we did not grow up religious, but that's where I was introduced to like abstinence only sex ed and, um, like marriages between a man and a woman and being gay is a sin. And, you know, there was all of this. And I don't know that they put me in that high school because of that, but I think, you know, they thought, oh, this will be a good, I don't know, moral compass for her. I, I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so ironically, there's like more of us from high school that came out as gay than not, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, because I didn't know anybody. So me and this girl ended up breaking up, you know, like we were just young and it just didn't work out. Right. Um, and then I just went to this high school and I didn't know anybody and I didn't tell anybody about it. It was just my little secret from when I was 14 Mm -hmm. and I dated boys. And I mean, ironically, once we started like underage drinking, you know, I was always the girl making out with girls because we were so drunk and, (laughs) (laughs) and, and it never occurred to me. I never remember having the thought of being like, well, I'm gay. It didn't even enter my brain. It was just like, not a thing. Um, it was just like a fun drunk thing that we did. And it was so funny to think back now. Um, (laughs) And then, 
after high school, because I went to a Catholic school, I feel like everybody's main goal was just to get married and start having babies. And in one year I was a bridesmaid like four times. And so I know I was in my early twenties, which now just feels so young. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I get, I'll back up a little bit because, so I went to Europe after high school with a friend and I still, I can think back from like, so 14 to my mid twenties and like having like intense crushes on girls, but not again, it's like, I lost the vocabulary for it. Or I, I just was like in denial. Um, but in Europe, I was like obsessed with this like tour guide in Germany. And I remember just being like, oh my God, I have such a like friend crush on her. But like, if I look back now, like I was obsessed with her, like, I just wanted to marry her. I wanted to move to Germany and like, but I just didn't allow myself to like have that conversation in my head or out Mm -hmm. loud. Um, so I just kept calling it like, oh, a friendship crush or like, oh, I look up to her so much. I want to be like her. Like I super just wanted to be with her (laughs) and, um, I went, so then, so moving on, everybody got married. Um, and then I remember telling my friend like, well, I guess I should just get married. Like I, that's just, you know, I think like as a society, especially if you grow up with any kind of religious influence, there's this like societal norm of like, here's your to-do list and you need to like graduate high school. So I was like, you know, everybody's getting married and I feel like I need to get married. And I think, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but there's just this idea that like, okay, I graduated school and now I went to university or not. I did some traveling and now you get married, you buy a house, you get a dog, you get the SUV and then you start having kids. Like there's just like a, yeah, these steps, like you you do your stuff out in your twenties and have fun. And then eventually and you get like the career job and then you meet the guy in this yeah. heteronormative, heteronormative way. And then you kind of just keep doing the things. Yeah. And you right. just, yeah, it's almost like, and it's so celebrated. So even if it doesn't feel right, you know, like, so anyway, so I went on to plenty of fish. Nobody ever go on it. It's terrible. Jen, don't go on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're on it, get off it. Not so, on I, it. <laughs> so I went on plenty of fish. Cause that was sort of like the, what was That's, online. Yeah. Yeah. And I met what would become my husband and, you know, like, so it ended up being a super abusive marriage. And, um, I didn't know when I married him that he was, he had a criminal record and had spent time in federal penitentiary. Like I don't just pick the worst one. I picked like the worst. You didn't one. just get married to a guy <laughs> yeah. when you didn't I want couldn't just to pick a nice guy. I needed yeah. to pick. Yeah. The worst one. And I think it was just I think my family was so excited to see me on this like straight path, literally, mm-hmm. that they, it was <laughs> so celebrated. And I don't ever remember learning about what a healthy relationship was, what are red flags, like, you know, gaslighting wasn't a term that we had back then. No. And, you know, there were so many times that I was like, oh, I want to leave this relationship. But because he was a narcissist, you know, he would sort of, he it's like he, I always say like, he didn't punch me on the first date because I, there wouldn't have been a second date. It was like a really slow dance. Um, to right. His like true sociopathic narcissistic self. And I think one of the things that made it so hard to leave was that everything was so celebrated that I never felt like I could say that there was something wrong. Right. Reg- right. Regardless of the fact that I was gay and the man. Um, I also thought, I don't know, 
can I say penis on this podcast? Yes, you can. Oh yeah. We curse. <laughs> like, we say, we allow everything. So. Oh good. Okay. You hit the explicit button. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I literally thought that every woman hated penis and just found it disgusting, but I thought it was just something we had to do. I just was like, well, this is, this is, you know, things in life you don't want to do. And sometimes, and this in this case, it's a penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like revolted, like not even just like, oh, uh, like it was, it was awful. So I, I thought that he was going to propose. We bought a house at this point. We had a dog. We were doing a, we got an SUV, like all the things, the check mark, the list that you get. I kind of, it's kind of like the straight agenda, really. And yeah. I was like, I think he's going to propose. And I told my friend, I was like, I don't want him to propose. And she was like, okay, well, let me like, you know, see if I can talk to him. Anyway, I managed an outdoor sporting event that was about 3000 people. And he proposed on stage in front of everybody. And my whole family knew he had asked my dad for permission, which is like another side tangent. I think that's disgusting. But, um, and he did it because he knew I wouldn't say no. Like he knew I couldn't say no. no in Not with all those people watching. Yeah. Like I, now, whenever I see public proposals, I'm like, oh, you're like, oh, cringing inside. Yeah, like nothing <laughs> about it feels good. Right. And so of course I was like, oh my God. And I like showed the ring and I was like, you know, and then I described this thing, this like phenomenon. And you guys have both been married. It's like, as soon as they put a ring on it, your friends, your family, society, the world puts you on this train towards the altar. And it is like light speed. There's no hopping off. There are no stops. There's no, you're just like the ring is on it. You need a, And I think by the end of that weekend, we had a date, a venue, uh, like, you know, my dad was like, I'm going to give you some money for the wedding. And he gave us money and his family gave us money. And so suddenly we're spending this money and nobody ever checked in with me and said like, do you want this? Or how does this feel to you? And I mean, I don't fault anybody because I don't think we do that normally as a society, no. but I mean, now literally when everybody get, whenever I know somebody who gets engaged, I'm always like, Hey, like, how do you feel about it? Like, I want them to know that like, it's okay that if you don't want to, because I never yeah. felt, I was just like thrown aboard this train propelled by family, friends, and society towards the altar. And I never had a second to catch my breath. And there was never an opportunity I felt for me to be like, I don't want this. And then even closer to the wedding, it was, you know, we had had some fight. He was so awful. And my friend in Montreal was like, Carlin, just cancel the wedding. And I was like, no, like I've got the dress. People have plane tickets. Everything's paid for. And she's like, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Like what matters is like you not marrying him. And she offered to fly me to Montreal that night. She was like, don't go home, literally go to the airport and there will be a plane ticket for you. And I was like, okay, let me think, let me think. And she said, I knew that if you went home first, you like, you were going to get married. And she was like, I knew I couldn't push you any further. So she just decided to support me and love me. And when everything fell down, she'd pick up the pieces and like, she totally did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we like, we got married and I remember just, I think it was after we got married that this little voice inside my head started being like, Carlin, you're super gay. Like, I just like, I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I remember watching a shot at love with Tila Tequila. I don't know if anybody remembers that class. Yep. Um, but Danny, the firefighter, she was like a female firefighter and I was like obsessed with her. And I remember again being like, oh my God, I have such a girl crush on her. But like, we would just joke about it and, you know, but like 
it was sort of like that sort of started like creeping in my head about like, mm, like you hate sex and you don't hate sex in general. You hate sex with men. And, um, but we got married and then he's like, we need to start having kids. And I was like, of course, that's what you do. And so, you know, we, we started trying to conceive and like, I viscerally hated like every second of it. And I like, I ended up getting pregnant. I ended up miscarrying. And for me, I'm so thankful like that, because I think now, like I'd have, I don't know, a 10 year old, maybe, I guess. And it was like such a permanently tied to this person. Yeah. Yeah. And like, would I have stayed because, you know, like my family Mm. thought he was the perfect guy and everybody loved him. And yeah, I don't know. There was never any like check-in or I never felt like I had the space to be like, this is what's happening. I hate everything about this. And then it, it actually wasn't until shortly after the miscarriage, he was really abusive to one of my dogs. And that was the moment that was, I was like, I was like, no, like this can't, like this is over. And so I mean, then proceeded like along, he went to jail and he did a whole bunch of horrible things. But I remember when thinking about starting to date again, I instantly went to like female seeking male because that's what you do. And I was like, no, I don't know. And I just kept like pushing it off, pushing it off. And I still hadn't really like, I don't know, voice the, the voice in my head. I hadn't said it out loud. And then it wasn't until I, so I decided to get a personal trainer. I needed some like self-empowering. I was getting divorced. My world was a mess. So I got a personal trainer who was a lesbian. And again, her and I just like clicked right away. We hit it off. We were like so flirty. Um, One of the, like the manager of the trainers came over to us one day and was like, Hey guys, like so glad that you guys are getting along. Some of the other trainers and clients have said they're a little bit uncomfortable with how flirty you're being. (laughs) And we were like, Oh, and in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm not flirting. Like I'm straight. Like I'm just like naturally charismatic towards this very <laughs> and and then when she said that I was like oh I was like maybe I am flirting and then my thought sort of shifted to like I want to tell her that I've been with a girl before like I wanted to like I didn't want her to think I was just some divorcee straight woman um and so I don't know somehow I awkwardly brought it up and then and then we just started sleeping together. <laughs> it was like, there was a, we weren't dating. We weren't like, it was very like, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is happening. And then because of that, I was like, oh, I was like, okay, maybe I should like find a community. Maybe I should, you know, like she would talk about all of her like lesbian friends. And I'm like, well, I only have straight friends. And I didn't tell my family right away. It wasn't until... I, so it wasn't until her and I, I don't know, I say broke up, but we weren't officially dating. Also just like life tip, don't sleep with your trainer. It, like, Cause then you gotta like move bit. gyms. You gotta like, you know, yeah, it's probably it's a whole thing. yeah, it's a lot. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> but, get her straight. Don't do that. Yeah. Just yeah. In general. But then I specifically, my next trainer, I was like, can I get a guy? Cause I knew like, I wouldn't sleep with him. Right. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> So after we broke up, I was like devastated. And I was like, I was like, okay, like now I need to meet women. And that's when I decided I wanted to come out to my family again or for the, I don't know. Um, And so I remember telling my sister who married into a very Catholic family and converted to Catholicism. And like, I didn't know that you could be this Catholic, but it's a thing. And I remember telling her and her sort of having this, you know, spiel about, well, 
you know, because she's my, I'm her sister, she would love me anyway. And she would pray for me. And I remember thinking like, that's bullshit. Like (laughs) we didn't grow up Catholic, but like now, you know, you're willing to make an exception and love me. But Anyways. anyways, and I was like, okay. I mean, her and I aren't really close, but she has kids that I try to be close with. And, you know, so I was like, okay, thanks. And then I went and told my dad and I remember my dad saying, okay, well, I think as long as you promise that if the right man comes along, you'd give it a chance. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I, yeah, hey, but I just so you know, that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah, now I wish I had said like, okay, dad, but if the right man for you comes along because he was since divorced again, yeah. like, you don't know, be open to it. I remember, like, it was just so conditional, like he was accepting, but I had to promise that I wouldn't, you know, never date a guy again. Cause you hadn't and, already like done all the things. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think he was like, well, just because I call my ex Chad, but that's not his real name. Um, just because Chad was, you know, mean to you. And I was like, I don't think you understand the level that Chad was mean to me, but also like, we've never discussed the fact that I came out at 14 and you just kind of swiftly put me back in the closet. Yeah. Like pre-Chad, this was a conversation we had. Yeah. Yeah. But like that was not brought up. And then uh, I told my mom and I was like, you know, like, you know, would you, I think I said, would you be okay if I was dating women? I, I worded it weird. And she was like, yeah, but if I date younger men, you can't but you can't care. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, it was so like, it's not like she was dating young men and I had a problem with it. I, it was just this like weird. She had to make it. We had to bargain about it somehow. It was, it was really (laughs) weird. And I was like, okay, I get, okay. Like, yeah. And so me coming out, that was like my core family, like my mom, dad, and sister. And it was conditional on all accounts. And I was like, okay, it was weird. Like also yeah. pro tip, don't, don't make it a condition of accepting somebody. <laughs> like if somebody comes out to you no. um, and then, yeah. So then I was like, I really need to find a community. And so one of my friends was like, you should check out like meetup. They probably have like a lesbian group. And so meetup, I think is worldwide. It's meetup.com. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a meetup for anybody. Like if you like hiking, if you like dogs, if you like knitting, in the winter. I don't know. There's like literally meetup. So I typed in lesbian and I found Calgary's queer lesbian meetup and I found a meetup to go to and just started making friends and connections and like finding a group of people. And it was the first time that I was like, Oh, like, I feel like I can just like be myself. Um, but what I think interesting when I think back to that is I was still living in the, with this idea that I needed to be really feminine. So I should find a picture of like back then because I had like really long hair. I did my makeup, like eyeshadow, contour, like all of it. Um, I wore skirts, I wore heels, I, I dressed and presented really feminine and it never really felt comfortable to me, but it just felt like that's what I looked like. So I had to present like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started dating some people. I got in, you know, I dated a few people and I think I, it wasn't until I later thought about it, but I had this idea in my head that there had to be a masculine and a feminine dynamic in a relationship, even if it was two women. And so I would, um, yeah, I just like, I, I would only date girls that were like maybe more masculine leaning 
And, you know, I was very obsessed with how I looked and needed to be the more feminine one. And uh, so I, so I was in a relationship for the, for eight years. It just ended the last, like in the last six months. So through this relationship, I think I did a lot of growing and unfortunately grew, you know, we grew apart, I think a lot because of it. So it was a few years into our relationship and I was like, I really want to cut my hair. And she was like, I don't like short hair on girls. And I was like, oh, so I hummed and hawed and hummed and hawed. And then one day I just did it. I like cut it all off. And I literally went to my hairdresser and I said, I want a lesbian haircut because I was so sick of, like, I was so sick of passing as straight all the time because what that looked like is like every day I would be coming out in some capacity and, you know, with employers, they're like coworkers, they'd be like, Oh, is your boyfriend coming? And I'd be like, Oh, actually it's a girlfriend or, you know, I don't, you were just like constantly, I don't know. I was assumed straight all the time. And I think a lot of people don't, there's like an impact that that has because I want to be seen for like who I am. And if I want to flirt with somebody, A, I'm just really awkward to start with. But B, if I just look like some straight girl who doesn't know how to flirt, it comes across as like weird. I don't know. Um, you know, <laughs> well, like I just like you, you came out, you were forced back into the closet. You like went through this really traumatic thing that forced you to come out again. Mm-hmm. And you wanted it to be real and seen. And, and yeah, why you wouldn't want to have to be clarifying that in every. Yeah. And I like, there are some lesbians that passes straight and nobody knows that they're like, and, but I think that's a common thing that people find is that they, they're just like for like, even in just little ways, they have to come out all the time. Even at the pharmacy, they'd be like, oh, you're on your husband's insurance. Right. And I'd be like, oh, it's my wife. It wasn't, we're not married, but I would say wife, Um, you know, just like little things because I think I just looked so straight and I cut my hair and it was like, again, so transformative. And that really, I mean, I think that was like a real start to the end of my relationship with my partner at the time. Um, Because I think what I realized was like, there doesn't have to be this like feminine and masculine role or butch and femme or, you know, um, and things like I decided I didn't want to wear dresses anymore. I'm like, why am I wearing these? I hate them. I think I look awkward in them. And so I just decided like to get rid of all my skirts and dresses and all my heels And, you know, I started buying, I don't know, like Converse and Vans and playing around with like different looks. And that it was like this slow realization that I had, even though I came out that second time, I was still living in this, like, I was trying to fit in a heteronormative role still, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, my partner did all the woodworking and worked with tools and I, I don't know, cooked or, and we were, I was still just trying to like, live as a lesbian but in this straight role and it was like fitting I don't know a square peg in a round hole yeah and so that really like that mindset started to shift where I was like why am I wearing dresses why am I keeping my hair long why am I wearing so much makeup and like I still wear mascara every day or else I feel naked but uh you know like it was just this like you're like looking at all those things that you kind of think you're supposed to do yeah and that you've been told to do and yeah is this like actually what suits me. Yeah. It, yeah. None of it suited me. And it was just a slow realization that like, why am I doing this if it doesn't feel comfortable? And so I just started getting way more comfortable with myself and with like my short hair and like different style. I was starting to like pass as a lesbian and people wouldn't make as many assumptions. And that was like really freeing for me because I was like, oh, people Mm -hmm. are seeing me 
for who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I'm like quite lucky that I can, from like a safety perspective, I can pass as straight quite easily. Like if I go into neighborhoods that maybe like aren't as like Calgary is not the most LGBTQ plus friendly place. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like a little mini conservative Texas over here. So, uh, you know, there are, there are definitely like neighborhoods and scenarios where I don't need people to know that I'm a lesbian, but mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, there's like a freedom in people not making assumptions. And I felt people went from asking about my husband or boyfriend to just using the word partner because they didn't know. And like, they, I don't know, there's like a, something freeing and really nice about that. Well, um, I think, I don't know, something that I, I personally talk about and, and think about a lot is the importance of the language we use, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it matters. It matters in how inclusive we are and it matters how we make other people feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people I hear that are like, well, why do I have to tell people my pronouns? Why do I have to tell people, you know, and I'm like, because we're trying to be inclusive and we're trying to include, you know, people who. And not just, just make assumptions. Yeah. We're trying to make fewer assumptions about yeah. people based on what we see. And yeah. it's giving you as the person saying it, whether you're yeah. completely straight and adhere to all the societal norms or not, it's giving you the freedom to determine how you're seen and how you're referred to and how yeah. you're spoken to and of. Yeah. And you would think that, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. a straight woman. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's so interesting to me that that haircut, that haircut. Yeah makes that difference yeah that all of a sudden you don't have to come out all the time yeah I mean I it still seems so ridiculous that. yeah I <laughs> like, know but I didn't yeah I didn't look like a lesbian but I believe you yeah I mean I 1000% believe that that is exactly what happened yeah because yeah. right I mean if someone has short hair then maybe we don't know what their sexual orientation is but if someone has long hair, maybe we don't know what their sexual orientation is. Like, yeah. But we assume we can assume because they have long hair and they look like what a girl is supposed to look like that they yeah. like men. Yeah. What? I know. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. And I feel like I've kind of walked in these three different existences of like pretending to be straight and feminine and all of these things that I thought and then being a lesbian, but presenting as straight and trying to mm-hmm. live this like weird balance. And then now living where I think I look and present more like a lesbian, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, it is, it's just different. And I think I've, I kind of glossed over, but after I left my husband, I remember thinking like one day it just occurred to me that like, I do not want kids. And that had never occurred to me before because you just like, you get your straight agenda, your checklist. And like, we had gotten married, check, got the SUV, check, had a dog in the house, check, check. The next thing was just kids. I just assumed my whole life that I was going to have kids. And it wasn't until sort of like that, you know, period of like coming out and leaving him and all of this stuff that I was like, ugh, like I actually do not want children. And that was like earth shattering because I was like, who, who's allowed to say that they don't, you know what I mean? Like you just, you have kids. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like a really freeing experience to decide that like, no, I don't want to give birth and, you know, have children. That's just not a thing that I want. And 
yeah. So I think like the last like 10 or 15 years has just been this like ongoing transformation and, Mm -hmm. you know, where I am today, I, you know, I like look a lot different. I act a lot different. I don't, um, I don't try to like fit into this, I don't know, societal, like this like heteronormative world and like timeline that people put on things. Like, it's just like, it doesn't matter. Like when I was with my last partner, we were together for eight years and people would be like, are you going to get married? Are you going to get married? And I was like, why does it, why, why does it matter? Who's to say that we have to get married and who's to say, you know, like, why is that the automatic next step? Why can't we just be living our lives? Mm-hmm. And yeah. 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 And did, did people ask if you wanted to have children as well? Yeah. Like there was, it's like, there was still an assumption, but it was more like, Oh, like, how are you guys going to have kids? And I was like, ah, guys, we're not going to, we just have like <laughs> all the dogs and all the cats. Like, you know, like I really like kids. I have like 10, I call them nibblings. I learned that nibblings is the plural for nieces and nephews. Really? All right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I learned that because one of my nibblings um, is non-binary and they chose to go by they, them pronouns from the age of six. Um, And they said, I don't want to, I don't think I'm a boy or a girl. I just want to have they, them pronouns. And so like, and so then I was like, well, I don't want to call them my niece or my nephew because they're they're not, I either. Yeah. And so I was doing some research and they're my nibbling and a group of (laughs) nephews is called nibblings. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect yeah. word for it. Yeah. Um, it It's interesting that I think we don't, and this applies to so many things, whether like what your, you know, your own identity or, or, or coming out or being straight or any of it, or just even like when you talk about diet culture, how much of an impact society has on, on us. Mm-hmm. as in, in those formative years, especially. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I'm a, a self-proclaimed like media nerd. And, and so like, but the whole idea of representation mattering in all the ways it like, it really, really does. And your story really, I think highlights that. I mean, I think there's also stuff to look at in terms of the idea that you did kind of find the voice to say, that you were gay at 14 and were very swiftly kind of like, you know, yeah, not and told in so many words that this yeah. wasn't okay, but we're shown that kind of pushed back onto the straight and narrow. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, I don't really fault my parents. You know, I think they grew up in the sixties and seventies and I just don't think they, they didn't have the, the words and the knowledge as parents of how to deal with a kid that wasn't just normal, you know, that wasn't, they didn't Mm. there, that just didn't exist. That wasn't. And I think now, like myself as a parent, I possess this knowledge that like, maybe my daughters will grow up and marry men and maybe they won't. Yeah. And I don't think parents thought that way back then. It was just like, I have a daughter, she's going to get married. I I'll pay for the wedding. Like there was all these kind of gender expectations around Mm -hmm. that. Um, I don't think it occurred to people that maybe their daughter's not going to have kids. Maybe she's not going to get married. Maybe she's going to marry a woman. And then when something changes that, I think it's hard. It's jarring. And I think also, right. Like, it, and it's yeah. changed, but even, you know, when we were younger, 
that's like making the hard choice. Not that it's a choice to be made, but from a parent's perspective who doesn't really have the vocabulary or the frame of reference, um, you're choosing a harder path in life. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want that for your kids. I'm speaking from kind of my own experience with that, um, just in terms of my, my sister coming out and kind of being there to, you know, support my sister, but also my mom, that that really was part of it. Like, I definitely remember my mom saying like, I don't care that she's a lesbian. Like, it's fine. It's okay. I'm just worried about her. I don't want people treating her differently. I don't want her life to be hard. Like, I just want things to be easy for her. And like, that was a big concern for her. And even when you were talking about like cutting your hair short, and maybe there's some areas where you don't want to look gay. My sister also cut her hair short. And this, that was something that did not occur to me that did occur to my mother. And my mom was like, I just worry about her. You know, she lives downtown and you never know what people are doing and what people are thinking. And I don't want her to be to fall victim of anything. Like there's so much worry that we have as, as parents. Yeah. And like, having said that, like my mom is accepting, like my mom accepts her girlfriends, whatever, but there's still, there's still some stuff there. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, yeah, it's generational. I think there is still some. Yep. Yeah. But I think to your kids, probably they don't even think twice about it. No. And I, I love that that I don't have to necessarily like we have those conversations and they come up organically. Yeah. Right. Like pride weekend, like it's been a big deal for our family. And then my kids are like, what is pride? And I just have a natural way of just explaining that to them. Yeah. And we have books, you know, my two aunts is, is a favorite book here. Is that a book? It is a book. It's called my two aunts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You should totally get it and like, give it to um, your nieces. So, and it's about like uh, a kid who goes and spends time with her two aunts and how they're in a relationship together. And like, she has a sleepover there and like has a fun time. But um, yeah, there's a few, there's several books out there, but my two aunts is one that we really like here. And I like that for my kids, that's just normal. So when I explained to them what pride was, and I explained that there was a time I told them where like a girl couldn't marry another girl and a boy couldn't marry another boy that only a boy could marry a girl and only right. Like that kind of thing. And their minds were blown. Like they were like, what really? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, yes. I'm very serious. And like, this is this is why we talk about it and why we celebrate it. Cause we want people to feel comfortable and to be able to love who they want to love. And that's what kind of pride is about, but yeah, it's so interesting to see it through their eyes that they don't really get it. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> and not they're a still thing. young, but it's just yeah. not a thing. They're like, of yeah. course a girl can marry a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think I give a lot of pushback to, you know, like I, somebody in my family was posted something on social media that was like, I don't understand why we need a gay pride parade. Where's our straight parade. And I was like, 
I was like, when I can go to every country that you can go to and hold the hands of my partner without fear of being murdered, mm-hmm. robbed, persecuted in any way, like then we maybe don't need a gay pride parade, but it was born out of the need for, you know, equality and, and there People are so fighting for equality. Yeah. People there are so many. Oh my God. Do you have pride nails? Kind of. I like rainbow. Yeah, you kind of and do. My, yeah. I do have my, I do have my pride watch band. I love that. But I think it's really become my goal because I, I don't want my own kids, but I'm so close to so many kids that I made this decision that like, I want to be the representation that I didn't have. And so I openly talk about being gay. I am, you know, affectionate um, in front of my Mm -hmm. whole family and those kids. And I, you know, talk about, I purposely won't say the thing that drives me crazy. And I push back a lot on people with kids when they, it's a big thing where they'll like tease a little girl about like, who's your boyfriend? Oh, do you have a boyfriend in daycare or kindergarten or you know, and I, I said something once where I said, or a girlfriend and they were like, well, I think they're a bit young to think about sexual (laughs) orientation. And I was like, okay, but you just, by asking if they have a boyfriend, are you thinking about them having sex? Like they're five and six, like, of course you're not, you're just, you're, you're teasing them. And you know, you're sort of like Mm. asking them about if they like anybody, but like, you're not thinking about them having sex as a five and six year old. That's disgusting. Yeah. So why couldn't you translate it? Oh, is there anybody that you like in class? Yeah. Like who's your crush? Yeah. 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 And like, what is a crush when you're six, seven, you know what I mean? Like it's so not it. That's why I don't love the term like sexual orientation because that implies that like the only aspect of the of the connection or attraction is of a sexual nature, but like, that's not true. You know, Michelle, my co-host talks about, she was in preschool and she had little boyfriends and crushes. And she's like, I knew at that age that I really liked boys and that was socially acceptable and promoted and celebrated, but I didn't have the language or representation to share those same feelings that I had with little girls. Right. And so I just try to like, I don't know, I, I push back on my sister who's really Catholic and her kids and um, my one friend who has the like non-binary kiddo, Michelle's kids were like, well, what does that mean? Why, why is it they, them? And I'm like, well, they don't identify as a boy or a girl. So instead of saying she, her, he, him, it's they, them. And they got it within a second. They were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. But so many of my friends have been like, well, that's they is plural. I'm like, no, it's not like, Anyway, it's like this whole, I, well, what you're taught like early on is that it is. Yeah. And, and it's, there's the shift that it's not, cause even I, like, I remember, I can't even remember when I first heard it, but I was like, that's really confusing. Cause that's supposed to be more than one person. But yeah. Then, like and when I thought about it, it's like, well, what else are we supposed to use? Are we supposed to make up new words? Like that's a whole other thing. My favorite example is like, if you were at a restaurant and you found somebody's cell phone on a table, but there was no person there you'd be like, oh, I found this cell phone. Do you know who it belongs to? And be like, no. And you'd say, well, maybe they'll come back. Yep. You just use they as a singular because yeah. you, don't, you don't know you don't know who it was. It could have been a man or a woman. Yeah, well, what's so amazing, like what this is all reminding me is for the last couple of days, virtual schooling in kindergarten, they've been taught, they've been doing this whole love is love and pride thing. And I mean, that was 
million percent never a conversation that would have been had oh, when I was in kindergarten. No, we're all shaking our heads. No, yeah. you know, I mean, and I'm speaking and, and I think I am American. And so I, I was in kindergarten in, in, you know, New York state and you didn't have the right to marry here. God, until I was, you know, in my late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. Um, but I think even in Canada, it's been, I think, allowed for a lot longer and you, you didn't either, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just love that kind of further normalizing of it or like just making it part of a conversation. Yeah. I really think like if I had had shows like Modern Family or, you know, like even I think Arthur had a pride, like the cartoon Arthur, I think just had like a pride thing. Like it's so included in all of these like media things that I didn't have access to as a kid and like schools didn't talk about it even in my public school sex Mm -hmm. ed certainly didn't have any component of same-sex safety yeah and I think I don't know that was a real disservice to our generation because I just didn't have that representation I didn't see it I didn't hear about it I you know yeah and I I think we are seeing it more like in the curriculum, at least here in Ontario, um, that idea of just trying to be more inclusive so that we don't want teenagers to feel, and I guess kids too, to feel that they have to hide that Mm -hmm. part of themselves, right? Or to feel that they're somehow different and not have the words for it and not know how to explain what that is. That's the hope, right? Yeah. I yeah. hope we're getting there. The idea <laughs> that we all want to feel a sense of belonging. And if yeah. you're hiding a part of yourself, how can you ever feel like you belong to yeah. anything? But yeah. even just Carlene, like when you were saying that you didn't have the words for it, like I was like, oh, that's something that never had occurred to me that you wouldn't have had the language for that. But of course, when you say it, I'm like, oh, that, that actually makes a lot of sense because you weren't taught those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't given that you could have a crush on a girl. Yeah. Right. So now I have a crush on a girl, but I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. Crush. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I didn't know. And so I just sort of like faked these crushes with boys and like, yeah. it wasn't until that I kissed a girl and I liked it not to be, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, Oh yeah. Like this, uh, suddenly I had this like, Oh, awakening of I now understand my peers and I now understand, Yeah, you know, so like poor little, I don't know, 10 to 14 year old Carling, you know, was witnessing all of these like heteronormative behaviors from friends and just felt, I knew I didn't fit it, but I didn't know otherwise mm-hmm. what that meant. Well, I am so thankful that you shared this story. It's, I think mm-hmm. it is really relatable to, I think all, all the stages of it, you kind of, I always joke when I talk about my birth story that I experienced like all of the things you can experience in birth in one. Yeah. I feel like you experienced all the different kind of a lot of the different ways anyway, that one could deal with coming out, you know, in your story. And, um, you know, I think that's really, I don't know. I just think that's helpful for people to hear. Sure. What would you say? Like, I don't know if you know a kid who comes out to you as a trusted adult or maybe even, if you have any advice for a parent who might be dealing with their child doing like who wants to come out 
Or yeah. Something. Like I really think like kids at, from birth until whenever it should just always be explained that like, it doesn't matter who you love. And I think the focus should be on like, what does a healthy relationship look like? Mm-hmm. Not gender mm-hmm. roles, not you're going to get married. Like just what does a healthy relationship look like? And always having that conversation of, I, I don't care who you love as long as it's healthy and respectful and mutual, that's what's important, you know? And I think, I think if kids feel like they have that safe space, they'll come out. I don't think you need to ask them. And I think as an adult, as an aunt or an uncle or a, just a, another adult, I think if a kid comes and discloses something to you, it's not your job to out them. If anybody, if an adult does, it's not your job to out them. They've told you, they haven't told you know, the person sitting next mm. to you or, and if they're not in imminent danger of hurting themselves or somebody else, like be that safe person. Because I, you know, again, what if my stepmom had not told my dad, you know, and had sort of allowed me to work through the process in my own way with a trusted adult being her, mm-hmm. how would that have been different? You know, instead that was sort of taken from me, that ability to mm-hmm. process it and come out on my own terms. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I think just like give them representation of all different types of families, relationships, love, you know, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's just normal and then they'll see themselves. I never got to see myself. You know, I get so excited when I see shows that have like lesbian families that are like, you know, family friendly shows or movies or Disney just did like a short Mm -hmm. call out. And I'm just like, I'm so excited that like my little four-year-old niece and nephew get to see that. And, you know, maybe they're straight, maybe they're not, maybe they're somewhere in the middle, but just the giving them opportunities to see maybe themselves or just somebody else in a healthy way too. in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. Not the Jerry Springer way. Yeah. Not the bullshit <laughs> Jerry Springer. <laughs> yeah. Like that was, if you, yeah, I just cringe thinking about those Jerry Springer episodes that like, yeah, I don't know. My wife had a lesbian lover and it was like, like you know, just this whole thing. <laughs> then they had to do a DNA test and a lie detector yeah. test. And yeah. A, <laughs> Very Springer. Yeah, yeah. And then they're fighting on stage, but like, I don't know what power it is for a kid to see themselves, you know, and same with like the disability community, you know, yeah. when the, things become more accessible to them. And, you know, if you see representation of like kids in wheelchairs, then for the kid in the wheelchair, they don't feel so alone. It goes the same with, with gender identity and yeah, it goes across, yeah. you know, and I think, I don't know, the more we can raise kids that are more self-aware at an earlier age, I feel like it's only going to serve society as a whole. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of people carrying this pain because they're not able to be, be themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Even I've got older friends, you know, one of my close friends is retired now. She's in her sixties. Um, and she just really never came out really. And she worked in oil and gas and it was just known that like, there was no place for gay people in that industry. And so she had same sex relationships outside of work, but it was never, you know, they, they never came to Christmas parties. They never, Right. All of these things. And like, that's so sad that you had to have this separation for your own safety, for your career, your life, Mm -hmm. everything. And so I think we're moving in the right direction. I think, you know, the fact that schools talk a bit about pride. I think the fact that, I don't know, it's just in mainstream media. Even I, I got so excited when Jojo Siwa came out Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, so stoked. And I went over to Michelle's house and I was like, oh my God, you guys, did you hear? And they were just like, yeah. So like, it was, it was very like anticlimactic. Like I barely know who she is and I saw something. And so then I went like, and I found it and it was just very much like, just very offhand. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. It like, wasn't a big deal. And then I was like, okay, well. I thought it was a big deal. Yeah, I know. I was. That is a big deal, right? Because that wouldn't have happened. Like, God, do you remember when Lance Bass came out? It was after like they were done. They weren't anything anymore Mm -hmm. because he couldn't have when NSYNC was a thing. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, And the same with like Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) Probably she said her age at the beginning, and I'm older than all of you, so whatever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it's 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 but that's just goes to speak to how things are changing. Right. That, yeah. that well, Michelle's that, older kids were like, so what? Um, yeah. And yeah. just the, the fact that we're in a place where celebrities are able to come out. Yeah. Right. Ellen page, Elliot page, Elliot, oh, Elliot page. page. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that was, I think big. that was big. I think that was big news. Yeah. Yeah. And I right? think it, so it speaks volumes that the whole entertainment industry, like if you look on IMBD, any of their, any of his movie credits. It's all changed. They've it's changed all it. changed. And yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that and just went with it. Like, yeah. okay, this is what it is now. That was yeah. really interesting to see, especially because like, I think the, the bigger trans name in like TVs was, would be Laverne Cox from mm-hmm. Orange yep. is the New Black. But she was just, that's just how she was always presented to us, right? As that, as that person. Um, mm-hmm. But to have someone like Elliot Page go from being a woman, playing in all of these straight female roles to then that switch and it happening in the middle of when she was in a series as well yeah. Um, yeah. is, or he, I'm sorry, uh, is in the middle of a series as well. Like that, that switch was made. That's really amazing. And like, think how many kiddos who are maybe not, you know, identifying as the gender they were born with, how many kids are seeing that? And like, that's going to shift how their whole life plays out because now they've got this person that they can see that it's a thing. And suddenly they see themselves and are like, oh, and that seems to be normal, functioning, healthy person. Yeah. Not the, right. Yeah, I think we did sometimes see transgendered people on like Jerry Springer. Yeah, exactly. But it was so sensationalized and it wasn't necessarily done, you know, painting people in the best light. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, what an awesome conversation to have. Yeah, thank I you know. so much for having time you. to talk to us. Oh my God, thank <laughs> you. I could, yeah. yeah. I could talk about this whole, yeah, this whole thing. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. No, but we really appreciate it. And um, we will share how people can follow your podcast in our show notes Thank and you. a little bit more about you down there too. Yeah. And we're so stoked to have you guys on our show yes. and oh, just all, all the, pod- the podcast love. love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I hope you thank guys you. enjoy your day. Yeah. Have a great you day. Too. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Now What? If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. And make sure to find us on Instagram at nowwhat underscore podcast. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your hard times are the chance to write another chapter.